See, Dom, it's criminal that that hasn't been our jingle for the entire series so far. What were we thinking? I don't know. It's it's probably my best work ever. I think moving forward, I think that has to be the jingle for 2021, hasn't it? Really? Yeah. What what nobody knows uh, is we always sing that song at the end of a podcast recording, don't we? We so. do. <laughs> and then we always edit it out because, yeah, just cause. Just cause. Yeah. yeah. It's the default, isn't it? And then always the head swinging as well. The Jolly uh-huh. guy. I I've seen I've seen you all doing that head bang. Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, on the occasional session that, that Dom isn't actually there, I I feel slightly bereft that, that we haven't had the little tune. <laughs> we'll just Excellent. play it throughout this episode just to make up for it, Chris. You're all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. The, the thing the thing I'll always take away from this exercise is Dom saying, "Too quiet, too quiet." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check your volume levels. Yeah. I'm the other way around. I'm too loud. Yes, Alex always introduces a hello. Yes. I want to let people know that I'm here. It's good, no? It's like waking everybody up, isn't it? Yeah. Alex, we know you're here. Yeah. There is yeah. never any doubt. Yeah, and I've I've got my gin with me now as well, so it's it's okay. <laughs> I know it's a slightly boozy, boozy end of term thing. It's not like bring your games; it's it's bring your booze. And do you know what makes me happy? I've got my um, Star Wars Death Star ice cube in ice it as well. Cubes. Oh. <laughs> I shall put it down very carefully so it doesn't make too much noise. I've got I've got a funny big um, big red wine glass. It's got a very pleasing sound when you just ping it out. Oh, apparently, can't, can't that that is, apparently, that is the type of glass to drink red wine in. It, it is. I'm I'm right with it, Kath. You should know this by now. I'm I'm, I'm any trend. I I I follow where you lead. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, but mine's a Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> this is our final episode, isn't it, of 2020? So sure uh, is. The format's a little bit different tonight. So mm. we haven't got a uh, an interview. It's going to be a little bit of a compilation, Ooh. isn't it? Us kind of picking yeah. our. Not all of the, our favourite bits, but just a, a couple of uh, sort of standout moments, I think, for us. It was so hard kind of looking back and trying to pick just a couple of things to talk about um, because they've all been absolutely brilliant. I've enjoyed listening to every single episode. I don't know about you lot, but... Uh, mm. Did you think we'd get so far by Christmas? Because it's a wonderful achievement, isn't it? It's been a learning curve, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the steepest. <laughs> You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> so we are completely, totally professional. <laughs> I feel I feel like people have been on a journey with us, and our audience is probably very gracious and has sort of accepted the uh, accepted the little bumps in the road. But uh, yeah, I think given I, the people I, that we've been talking to, that's that's always been the that's always been the draw, really. So you know how how good or mediocre we are it doesn't really matter. It's all about. Uh, all about the chats. Yeah. I, I just love how every single episode has been completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one has sort of added a new a new dimension to the to the collection so far. So that's what I've really enjoyed out Ooh, of it. That's all, the I think. first time you've used that word, Alex, the collection. The collection. Ooh, the collection. The collection. Yeah. Well we've got more than two, haven't we? So <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to look on I looked on Spotify today to remind myself of all the 
people that we'd had and all the episodes and it's yeah. it's a huge list it's i'm really proud of it you know it's it's amazing to see it in the real world yeah, yeah. on spotify on, on itunes spotify. and all yeah. other good podcasters yes podcast platform <laughs> i'd say what else makes me happy actually is mm. looking at all of the episode photos yeah. every single episode photo brings me joy just kind of looking <laughs> at them they are all so happy and brilliant uh, there isn't a bad yeah. one amongst them they're they're all and and yeah that that brings me happiness as well actually we could have a geordie gay to happiness 2022 calendar Ooh. now you're talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm tempted to make jokes about keeping my clothes on for that calendar but i won't <laughs> Yes, please, Dom. Please, please do that. That's please, yeah. yeah. Nobody, nobody yeah. wants to see a photograph of us. In, in, <laughs> yeah, in, I could use that as a threat, couldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Not while we're working or theoretically working. Yeah. When people send the photos, though, I, I love it when they give us an option because they always send like uh, a really sensible-looking, well-shot photograph or a one where they're really silly with like crazy hair. And there's no point sending the sensible one. I'm telling <laughs> you right now, I'm always going to use the fun one. Yeah, <laughs> I think that happened with Steve Drayton's uh, photos because yes. he sent a whole load of them, and as soon as I saw that black and white one, I was like, "That's the one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the one we're using." So. <laughs> Who wants to kick off with a uh, a moment, an episode that they want to kind of uh, chat about? Um, just a really small one to get started, and then I'll pass over to somebody else. But the one that sticks in my mind for a very simple reason is uh, Charlotte talking about food. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it was just <laughs> like, it's exactly how I think about food all the time as well. So once you've clocked off, then you, you said before you, you quite liked to do a bit of cooking. Um, what's... What sort of things make you happy to, to cook and to eat? What's yeah, your favourite? Good question. And I had, I had thought about this. Um, and I guess it's not so much a cuisine or anything like that, but like my housemates, um, they're good at like stocking their cupboard, but it does mean sometimes there's like a rogue old packet of something that's not quite in date. So for okay. example, at the start of lockdown, we had a packet of peanuts that were like one year out of date. So I made it my mission to use them up. So I guess like, you know, taking like these rogue ingredients, the whole like lockdown legends, I'd like to think of them, I suppose. Um, you know, the things that you don't really want to use, like a packet of buckwheat, things like that. Things that you bought with the best intentions. But lockdown for me has been a really like great chance to just get those like outliers into a recipe and um, make my housemates eat them. And it, it made me so hungry listening, well, editing that. I must have gained about a stone editing that uh, <laughs> episode. Maybe that podcast should have a health warning on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think she'd be proud of that fact that she uh, Good. she made you hungry. Good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I loved doing Paul Kell's interview. Um, I think his episode photo just exudes happiness um, yeah. And the whole interview again, sort of listening, listening back to it, um, yeah, was was good to to revisit. I loved the bit where he talked about his fake tan, <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, I think you talked about the Elvis triangle uh, oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the comments bit. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember the first time, kind of, op- you know, he opened his front door, and there he was, bright orange. <laughs> I'd never seen him look so orange. Um, and uh, that's something I'll always, <laughs> I'll always remember. <laughs> and he used to put an uncomfortable amount of uh, fake tan on to sort of have the Elvis 
tan going. Nice. <laughs> totally overdid it. Again, if you if you look at the photos now, it wouldn't be acceptable. Um <laughs> I think I should I should point out as well that we're we're sort of neighbours, aren't we? You know, we sort of live on the same street, and mm. there has been a couple of times where you've opened the front door and you've just been bright orange, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, you, you've you've had a gig on, have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we can talk about the tan because yes, I've, uh, there, there are neighbours such as yourself who have only found out that I sing in an Elvis-fronted Nirvana tribute because of the tan because <laughs> you've had to explain seen, yourself <laughs> i've had to explain myself they've seen me like walking the dog or in the in the playground dropping the kids off at school and they're like um so paul you look uh pretty tan there have you been abroad <laughs> or i'm like no it's a fake tan oh right uh fake tan you know sort of starting to think about changing the conversation and then obviously because you've got fake tan on you're like well, there is a reason I've got fake tan on. I'm a singer whatever, whatever. in an Elvis-fronted Nirvana <laughs> tribute, by which point people are just utterly confused and have to go away and Google it and YouTube it. And then a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later, they'll come back, oh, I, I went and I Googled and I saw you on YouTube and you are, oh, you're in a band and you play for loads of people, don't you? Like, yeah, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't an elaborate lie (laughs) to cover up the fact that I'm wearing fake tan. Um, But the fake tan, I have, you mentioned friends earlier, and I I generally do it by hand with the mitt, and I'll just do the the triangle, the Elvis triangle. So I'll do the face and the the top V of where my chest is revealed on the Elvis suit. It looks looks great, man. (laughs) But, well, there was was one time I did actually go and do the whole tanning booth thing. Um, And, again, I explained to the lady in the the shop what I was doing and that I wanted an Elvis tan. And we went for a a six or a nine or something. (gasps) I don't know what we went for. But I came out looking, like, full-on... I, I, I've got a vision of like Ross, Ross and friends. Exactly. When he, uh, it was yeah. like that. It was like that. And I, I lay on my hands as well when I was in bed, which I didn't realise at the time would be a thing. So I woke up the following day with orange palms as well. Nice. That was terrible. And try explaining that to the neighbours. That was... <laughs> I just I just don't ask any questions anymore. I just go, no. Well, that's fine. it. So so my neighbours will often see either Elvis jumpsuits hanging out on the washing line out the back, <laughs> or me wandering up and down the street with a with a ridiculous fake tan. So if you see me, neighbours, then that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but just performing for for him um, just makes him so happy, and I think the episode photo sort of sums sums it all up. You know, the crowd are just so happy to see them performing and he's looking so happy performing so it was just a great image and a great interview talking about Glastonbury and download which all seems so uh so far away at the moment but yeah. it was nice yeah. to sort of look back at that yeah that bit about um that he put in about Glastonbury was absolutely amazing mm. yeah I really I've never been to Glastonbury and but I felt as though I could have been in the audience with him almost yeah after we did that podcast, I stalked them on uh, YouTube. There's a really <laughs> funny one where he, sp- he splits his pants, isn't there? It's great. Oh, yeah. 
He mentions that. Comedy goals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might have even Googled Paul Kell's split pants, but obviously I'd be on some government lists now as a result. Weren't you on several before anyway? Just, yeah, what's one yeah. more? Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what about you? The one that I was drawn back to was Claire's because I think of all the ones, it's the one that has kind of left the, the deepest impression on me. I thought Claire was incredibly brave in the story that that she told uh, about the the journey that she'd been on um, and there are parts of that podcast which i think were actually quite difficult to listen to um because she had been to some very very dark places yeah um she kind of uses that phrase about being a sort of a world expert on sadness so i, I think it, it was something that i really really wanted to pay attention to and learn from uh, for, for for that one you sort of said at the start of the the interview that you kind of um think more about sadness than happiness um can you tell me a little bit more about that well, I, I used to um in, in childhood which i didn't remember much of childhood there was a lot of poor mental health what gets called depression what get called other things and then by the time i was 13 i'd been given a diagnosis of schizophrenia mm-hmm. which was total nonsense but we didn't know that at the time mm-hmm. then at 15 i got told i needed hospitalization for months on ect which thankfully didn't happen and it's just been ups and downs since then with drugs and diagnoses and hunting and reliance on all of that which hasn't been good so I became an expert in in sadness I became an expert in self-hatred too because because I'm I'm, I'm transgender and I, I grew up thinking that I was a monster and thinking that I didn't really deserve to live because of that a lot of people my age did it's changing quite a bit now not enough but it's changing yeah and and then i embraced a radical form of christianity unfortunately which told me to hate myself even more man (laughs) it's it was it was one of one of the versions of jesus who doesn't like me as opposed to Mm -hmm. one of the ones who does Mm -hmm. so that made things worse my first church i was in had a massive tape collection from a gay cure ministry which really didn't help much so things got worse for years and years and years. Yeah, expert in sadness. <laughs> but that's okay. That's mostly past. Also, of all of them, it was the one that gave me the most hope and sort of left me with the, the kind of the most, oh, I don't know, what's the word? Um, actually, I, I, I felt really uplifted. I felt uplifted by all of them. But when we got to the end of that one, uh, and I heard a story when we were talking about it. You know, it was, I, I thought it was really, really profound. Um, and the fact that coming to Newcastle, had been actually quite a significant change for her, not just yeah. in in you know the location she was in, but also the story of her life, and and how that went. So yeah, that's that's the one that kind of really resonated with me. So so what what's changed then, Claire? If you if you feel that you can talk about happiness now, what's what's made that change happen? Ah, I moved to Newcastle. <laughs> There's a, there's a simple answer because mo- moving 10 years ago, I was a homophobic man, a very, very conservative Catholic. I could mm-hmm. out Catholic pretty much anybody in the city, which was not good. Um, yeah, I was also determinedly neurotypical because the, the only autistic things I knew about were locked in children and people having massive meltdowns in Sainsbury's or not in Biker, because we don't have a Sainsbury's in Biker. We're not posh here. (laughs) 
And so there was basically a whole load of self-rejection going on on every single level. And I, I tried to put God at the center and say, God is love and all these other lovely things like that. But then when you've got self-rejection underneath, none of that really works. So you mm. just end up going downhill because you don't feel the love of God. So that just drives you lower and lower. And yeah, in the last 10 years, I've got out of all of that and learned to accept myself as female, as autistic, as a weirdo. <laughs> it's okay being weird. <laughs> Every, I think everyone, I think I was going to say, everyone's a little bit weird in different everybody's ways. Everybody's weird, yeah. Either yeah. that or everybody's normal because it's normal to be weird. <laughs> One of the two. Nobody I like knows. that. I like that. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. It was a great interview and I think she kind of talked as well about acceptance, didn't she? Hmm. Uh, that was that was important for her. And, you know, if things don't work out, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I suppose kind of goes back to that thing you were talking about at the beginning about being an expert in sadness. It's okay not to be happy all of the time and it's okay mm-hmm. that sometimes things don't work out the way you, you expect them to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking to Claire. She was so articulate and thoughtful in Mm -hmm. her answers i think um yeah thanks yeah and she covered an amazing amount of distance in the walking as well and still not forget that (laughs) just like covered miles and beat um oh carol vorderman yeah didn't didn't claire beat carol vorderman to an answer yeah yeah yes get in get in in. that's a good claim to fame isn't it it is it's great absolutely (laughs) my turn go on kath Go for it. There were a couple that I'd like to talk about, but I'm going to start with Elaine Slater from Tyneside Women's Health. It was very interesting listening to this now and looking back to when it was recorded, which was early lockdown or lockdown Mm. one or Mm -hmm. however you'd like to describe it. And and she she talks about walking in the rain. Mm. And that is one of my very, very favourite things. I love walking in the rain. And just to hear her talk about it in the same way that I felt about it, I thought uh, fascinated me. And the the lovely phrase that she used, once you're wet, you're wet. (laughs) 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 And I thought, yay, that's it. I I can do that. Um, (laughs) And the other thing she she talked about was walking the dog and how much she got out of that. And it, it was partly it was because... She was doing something for the dog, but partly because the dog was doing something for her, mm. um, which which was amazing. Something that makes you happy. Yes, yeah, my little babies. Uh-huh. I used to breed border terriers back in the day. Um, so I've got a little collection. And they're lovely. They're like, they're little pests, but they're lovely. Um, so yeah, and, and it's I, I think through lockdown in particular, having dogs... Um, has meant that you have to go out of the house regardless. Um, so I think that's really good, really good for mental health, positivity, getting out. Um, and that's the same, I think. Um, it's one of the benefits, I think, of, of having a dog. For me, it really helps because even whether it's snowing, rainy, windy, hot, they have to go out, so therefore I have to go out. And actually, there's also something quite nice about walking around in the rain, I think. I don't know, it's just... It's, I don't like it when I get home and I'm soaked and so are they. 
But being outside in the rain, because there's never anyone else around. No one else must walk their dogs in the rain. But I do. And once you're wet, you're yeah, wet exactly. and you'll dry. Yeah, you're not made of sugar, you're not going to melt. It's fine. <laughs> um, but no, I, I quite like it. I quite like being out in the rain. Um, I don't know, there's something a bit calming, I think. Like a, when a, the smell of the rain and, the, and a little uh, storm. Two things, as I look back at it now, from when they were when it was recorded. The first thing is how I almost felt that that was a safe place, that early lockdown, in comparison mm-hmm. to some of the things that have happened recently. The other thing was the absolute simplicity of what she was talking about in terms of how she equated happiness with those things. Just just listening to it again was absolutely amazing. So mm-hmm. thank you, Elaine. Yeah, thanks, Elaine. Yeah, the first version of... Uh first version the first time we were in lockdown mm. everybody's taking it easy weren't they and being gentle with each other and accepting that not as much work was going to get done lockdown two is just being a bit brutal the expectation of right you should have the hang of this now get cracking mm. and you're sitting at nine o'clock at night <laughs> holding your head in your hands yeah. it's been harder i'm i'm zoomed out i uh hold hold my hands up i'm completely zoomed out i'm ready for a break now yeah yeah i kind of got the feeling this week at work that lots of people were starting to raise the white flag um there's something about getting towards christmas and getting towards the end of the year Mm -hmm. and it's been a year where which has just kind of taken and taken and taken and not really given anything back and it's utterly exhausting but also there's a bit of the initial kind of patience and grace in a way that mm-hmm. was, ex- as you pointed out, Don, was sort of there in the first lockdown, which hasn't been there in the yeah. second. I think that's actually made it, you know, it's made it really hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's funny, Alex, because we, I remember when we, um, when, when we first started doing this and we, I think we were having a conversation about how this wasn't going to be a COVID podcast. Oh, it's like you could read my mind. I was just going yeah. to make a similar point. Well, yes. go on. What were you thinking there then? No, exactly that. I think we'd made that decision, hadn't we, at the, the start, that we didn't want this to be a podcast about lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted it to be about happiness, but you cannot avoid the elephant in the room. <laughs> so yeah. I think when we were interviewing people, we weren't purposefully asking them about their lockdown experiences. But, um, you know, it came up in conversation. Of course it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are finding it hard to perhaps differentiate before COVID and after COVID, you know, before lockdown and after lockdown, mm-hmm. because it's just been such an intense period of time. So I think it's been an interesting reflection um, as, mm. as far as the collection goes. I'm fascinated by the by the phrase, putting up the white flag, yeah. because I, I'm feeling at the moment that I would like to put up a white flag, I think, but I haven't mm. got the courage to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a very strange feeling. As you say, Dom, early on, could have done it mm-hmm. without feeling really bad about yourself. Yeah. But, but now you think every, everybody's sorted. I think as well, it's, it's not necessarily other people doing it to us. We're doing it to ourselves. I'm, I'm feeling like I've got to cope. Mm. So when the workloads are coming in, I'm just like, got to get through them, got to keep going. Yeah. Uh, rather than just getting in touch with people and saying, you're going to have to wait a week for this because I'm on my knees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which if you were if you were in an office, somebody would see you, you know, they'd see you just kind of like, you know what, I just need to lie down in a dark room. <laughs> do you think do you think someone at Tyneside Women's Health would give us some guidance? Oh, I'm God, sure yeah. they would. I'm yeah. sure they would. Yeah. 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 But Bill talked about that importance of well-being in his 
interview as well, didn't he? He he talked about the importance of just because your mental health is okay right now doesn't mean that it can't be better. Mm, um, yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting uh, way of looking at it. Yeah, well, there's there's a kindling effect with with mental health, and that if you don't put out the small fires, they turn into big fires. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got to you've got to watch that all the time while you think you're coping. The fire's actually getting bigger and bigger, you know, so you've got to watch it. Yeah. Ooh, thank you, Elaine, for all of those reflections. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and who could forget Dinosaur Hospital as well, just bringing it back down to earth? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Has that series been commissioned yet? <laughs> oh, I've completely forgotten all about Dinosaur Hospital. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Which episode's that again? I think she's uh, numbered. Episode eight. Is it eight? Yeah. It's episode eight. <laughs> yeah on get that commissioned i'm sure the bbc would love it (laughs) well you mentioned bill there um i mean one of the things that i've really really loved about this series is hearing about actually the ordinary stuff um people doing ordinary things to find enjoyment and happiness and, and really talking quite deeply about them and and that's been interesting it's giving you sort of a window on other people's lives and other people's souls which has been great but there's also been you know a whole lot about people doing quite extraordinary stuff as well and that was that was the thing which really rang true for me about bills was that you know he probably wouldn't say that he was an extraordinary person um he could talk an extraordinary amount and be very very entertaining (laughs) i have to say that was that was a great listen um but what he chose to do in response to that feeling of things aren't right, things really aren't right, and you know he stepped stepped up to the plate and has done some great things with a whole bunch of great people. Has been has been really really inspiring. Um, but it was it was the way that he talked a lot about um, kind of where that feeling of dissatisfaction and tension came from. That you know the, some things aren't right, and you mm. can't be properly happy until you know that you've done as much as you can to fix them or to do something, take a bit of action, no matter how small it is. And that was, I think, a wonderful message. And again, like Claire, it was it was inspiring. Mm-hmm. What is happiness to you? Oh, man, at a minute, sitting down, reading a book, probably <laughs> <laughs> having time to do A bit do of quiet that. time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Look, hey. At the minute, happiness is would be the end of the pandemic. Mm. Um, so you could you could think about the world again. Um, there's no point in thinking about, yeah, what would I like to do? I'd like to go out and have a drink, maybe go to the bar. Um, mm. Can I do that at the moment? Not really, because I'm scared I might infect my mummy, mm. um, and she's not very resilient to things like that. So uh, happiness, go to a gig, go and go and drink beer at dawn after, I, I, I don't know. I mean, but the, the main thing is it's presupposed upon the the comfort of others. I do not want to go out and have a nice, you know, imagine the days, the, the carefree days before we knew things, when you go and have a drink at the Townside Cinema and come out and you, and, and now I couldn't do that because I'd worry mm-hmm. about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. You, you walk down the alleyway and there's, there's five beggars, you know, can you really be happy when you're walking past people in that situation? Not especially. Um, so happiness to me is is the is dignity for all. I think Clement Attlee said no 
no cake for any till there be bread for all. So I'm not bothered about the cake. I just want to have enough bread and, and other people to have enough bread as well. Yeah. Because within that, we'll all smile at each other. I think if you go some, you go to some rough pub somewhere, you'll find that people smile at each other a lot. You go to you go to kind of not that we go to pubs anymore, but you, you go to some sort of I don't know, a trendy pub, some sort of uh, place that does uh, sort of place where you get things things on plates that aren't made of plates. You know, you get things <laughs> on slates or something. You know, everybody looks miserable. You know, it's 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 kind of it's part of the rules, isn't it? You know, they've got to look like they're slightly sniffy about it. They're just about to complain about something. You know, and you go to you go to a pub on Shields Road and everybody smiles at each other. And uh, so I just want that kind of thing where I can sit in the corner of a room being completely ignored, watching people smile at each other. I think as well, Bill makes it quite clear that he wishes that he didn't have to do this as oh, well. Yeah. He shouldn't yeah. have to do this in yeah, the yeah. 21st century. Um, yeah. And he hopes that food banks will be obsolete in the future and that we'll, we'll talk about them in years to come as something that, oh, yeah, we used to. We used to have these things called food banks, but we don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, he doesn't want to be doing this, but there's there's a need, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah. Um, mm. But they're doing some great work. Yeah, they should go into the same category as, uh, as the workers, shouldn't they? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Can I can I follow up on uh, on Dom's lighting fires, the small fires and big fires? Because now you've started to talk about Bill. What? What he did, or his his team did, was actually s- start a small fire in the right mm-hmm. way because they realised early on that they couldn't do it. Um, so what they did do was went went to an organisation that can do it and say, we can put all our resources and ex- energy behind you and we don't want to do it in the wrong way. We want mm-hmm. to do it in the best way. And it just suddenly struck me that um, they they did a really great thing there by saying we can't, we want to do this, but we can't mm-hmm. do it. So who can? And we'll support them. Never, I'd never thought about it like that before. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. <sighs> hey, you know what else that I've really loved about this whole podcast season? Go on, yeah. tell us, Dom. It's it's your voice, Alex, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> what? <laughs> You've developed a Geordie accent as the as it's gone on. I swear, it's Shut even up. stronger now than it was when you began. <laughs> I've started noticing you using Geordie words more and more often, and I, it might be because I really loved that episode where Andrea at the end talks about the bands. Yeah, you know, and I, I love all the adopted Geordies because uh, especially people when they just move here and you can tell like you're never leaving again. You, you've moved here, and you can see it, and then. Um, you're just watching their accents and their dialect change over time. It's just fascinating. And you said something earlier. You just said, can it? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> my, my, dad, my dad tells me off because obviously I'm originally from London. And when I say Newcastle, he says, it's Newcastle. <laughs> or it if really I say, isn't. <laughs> if I say Bath, it's Bath. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. He's so funny. I love my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bless him. <laughs> He's got it all wrong. <laughs> Played a key role in your life, Alex. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I had to laugh. I had to laugh one one day through the week last week when I was listening out to the news. I think it was, and one of the BBC um, radio presenters 
was obviously feeling very politically correct and was saying, Newcastle. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking, that's not how you see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he said it. Well about, done, Bonnie lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said it about 10 times, and in the end, I felt like putting the radio in a bucket of water. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write to the BBC. Yeah. Yeah, well, if we're not getting political, but do, you know when the uh, Barnard Castle was in the news? <laughs> Oh, that was so good. <laughs> Listen to all the different ways to pronounce Bernard. that. Nobody could pronounce it, could they? Bernard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dog. <laughs> that was That's the only dog. highlight of that period of time. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, talking talking about the BBC, mm, we interviewed mm. uh, Sharuna, didn't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great interview. I, I loved her sense of humour all the way through mm-hmm. that um it was great yeah i think my favorite bit there was when she was talking about going into her parents bedroom in the morning which is entertaining but then uh you know talking about getting her blood pressure taken and being checked for diabetes <laughs> as if it was like a normal part of the day <laughs> that was brilliant and um when we go home it's my sister and i the routine is uh get up hang out with mum and dad in their bedroom in the morning doing nothing they're doctors well they're retired now so we sometimes have the obligatory let's all get our blood pressure done (laughs) mum will do it while we're all in bed completely normal yeah Yeah, we'll get our blood pressures done and i'll be like oh can you check me for diabetes please and all that kind of thing and then um coffee and tea upstairs and then come down dad will make lunch or mum will like make lunch and then we'll just kind of lunch and then they've got this whole bargain hunt uh what's the other one called or the, you do, they do all the antique shows so that uh, comes under the hammer as well yeah that's homes on the one. hammer all that kind of thing so they do all that and then four o'clock tea indian snacks and then um mum will start cooking dinner and all that and then straight after dinner every single night when we're home, we have a bridge. Uh, no, sorry, not a bridge. We're trying to learn bridge, but we have a rummy tournament. <laughs> so much fun! Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my, my cheeks, my cheeks hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Smiling too much. Yeah. Just thinking about uh, Sid Smith's interview. He talked about going to a Dexter Gordon jazz concert in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I, I wouldn't say concert. Actually, it would be an event, and how great it was, the concert. But then the totally unexpected thing that happened afterwards was Dexter Gordon asked the audience to stay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he said, would you mind staying? Because I just feel like playing a bit more. So he stayed apparently. And and according to Sid, the whole event took five hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... That was that was one of the greatest experiences of, of Sid's life. And mm. I just thought, why didn't that happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> one of the happiest moments of my life, uh, I'll give you one example of in the in the far past. Um and one pretty recently. Um one of the happiest moments back in the day for me, so this is like mid seventies was there was a um, uh, there was a, a, an American sax player called Dexter Gordon, uh, one of the great kind of legends of, of, of American jazz. And in the 1970s, so I'm talking about 74, 75 maybe, 
uh, anyway, he came to Newcastle and, uh, you know, I mean, I was just like totally kind of sold on, on the whole thing. I was listening to a lot of jazz at the time. I was discovering jazz at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at a, a venue uh, called the University Theatre, uh, as used to be in Newcastle. And, uh, you know, he did the concert. It was part of the Newcastle Jazz Festival. And he did the concert and, uh, you know, everybody's standing applauding and all the rest of it. And he <laughs> he stands up, to, he gets, gets the microphone. He had a very kind of slow, laconic delivery. And uh, he says... Um, he says, "I've enjoyed. I mean, I can't do the voice, but he says, <laughs> 'I've I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed playing so much tonight. Um, I'd like to continue. Would anybody like like more?' Now, this wasn't the encore. He'd already done the encore. Anyway, fast forward. Um, we the the stage manager comes on and says, "Look." This is probably not le- this is probably not legal. So what we're going to have to do is lock the doors. So if you want to go, <laughs> so this is about like ten thirty at night, you know, and uh, he's done two two hours uh, of playing. Uh, anyway, some people elected to leave, and a lot of us elected to stay. So they locked the doors, and uh, at about two o'clock in the morning, I remember coming out and walking home and thinking just this was the most special moment of my life because it was so amazing to be so intimate connected with somebody who was ostensibly a, a, a an almost mythic figure in my head you know and, yeah. but there he was on stage playing for about five hours in total you know um played about three hours beyond his his two hour set you know so that was that was amazing and it stayed with me forever uh, and that that feeling of which I'm sure many people you know the the event will change from person to person, but everybody knows what it's like to be walking on the clouds. Yeah, you know, and so it's that, and it was so special. And the, it, it's the it's that idea of being in in a room with an audience of like minded people, but also listening to something that you're so tuned into that you just absolutely love it mm, and yeah. then to have to have that person playing for you in the second half because he f- just enjoys playing yeah <laughs> oh it was just wonderful i loved it jazz lots of people claim that's the, the least favorite form of music don't <laughs> they? but I, I, I just always think they're listening to it wrong in a way that in that when you're in the room with somebody who's improvising and playing it's like an exchange. Oh, Sid, Sid um, was in the right audience. <laughs> he was in the right audience. <laughs> the other thing about Sid that I really loved, the, his interview was when he was talking about John McLaughlin, um, mm. the guitarist, how they were like still quite young and, and uh, him and his sister being like carefree, cheeky kids almost and finding out that he was visiting his mother in Whitley Bay and phoning his mother <laughs> yeah. and saying, is the Mahavishnu there? And she went, eee, hang on, I'll just go and get him. <laughs> and they just hung up in like awkward panic. So, oh my God, it is him. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And we didn't know that like in the 50s uh, for a short, well, a few years, uh, he lived in Whitley Bay with his mum. You're kidding. Uh, no. I, I, so this is 1973. We had no idea that he lived in Whitley Bay uh, in the 50s. Uh, I mean, I thought, honestly thought he was an American, you know, because he had that weird transatlantic twang kind of thing. 
Um, so my sister, uh, being resourceful, we've got to remember <laughs> this is 1973. Uh, we didn't have a phone at home, you know. Um, there was a woman who lived down the street, had a phone, and she was the only one in our street who had a phone. But my sister worked for a building company, and she was a secretary. So she just, <laughs> she just uh, uh, went through the telephone book of all the McLaughlins uh, in the phone book, and you know, third one in got the right house. And uh, th 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 this woman sort of answered the phone, so it said hello, and uh, she says, "Is the Mahavishnu there?" Because he, he was sometimes called the Mahavishnu. Uh, by us at least and she went hang on i'll just go and get him and so anyway she puts the phone down um when he came on the phone he said hello and she put the phone down because she was sort of so kind of <laughs> about it. um anyway what's that got to do with anything well I... alex yes knock knock, knock. who's there knock knock Who's there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Knock, knock. Is this going to go on all night? <laughs> anyway. can, I, can, I, can I say something which is deep and meaningful about that experience that we just had? So it, it may be that our listeners will get confused at this because uh, we, we just had like this, this five minutes of doing terrible, terrible knock, knock jokes. Um, and Dom's job is to kind of edit all that out. And there's been an awful lot of stuff that we've done over the last however long we've been doing this 23 episodes of that has stuff has ended up on the cutting room floor um and it just kind of made me think about happiness and one of the secrets to happiness maybe one of the blockers to happiness is kind of thinking that everyone else has kind of got it sorted because what you see in everybody else around you is all the stuff that doesn't end up on the cutting room floor because we don't see the uh, everyone else's edits you just kind of see the final cut which kind of looks to the outside world like it's really really good but everyone else has got the same edits and mistakes and bloopers and all that sort of stuff that that we all do and that for me has actually been a nice little thing to kind of hold on to this um this this year has been thinking all right so i know i don't have things sorted but I don't think anybody does. That was very yeah. deep, Chris. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm here all night. <laughs> <laughs> That's very you, true, though. We just need we just need Alex and Dom now to put some deep thinking into this, and then we've we've all contributed. Yeah, yeah. Start pulling your weight, guys. Come on. How rude! <laughs> <laughs> agrees. Um, no, I mean, I mean, the other thing is being aware how little other people are actually thinking about you as a mm. positive thing. Mm -hmm. So we think everybody's got the director's cut of our lives when actually they've just got the, the trailer, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Would anyone like a piece of chocolate? Oh, yeah. I'd love a piece of chocolate, yes. It's uh, orange and almond in dog chocolate. There you go. <laughs> if, you, if you'd like a piece of uh, cat's chocolate, just leave a message in the comments and we'll get back to you. Oh, dear. Can I talk about First Step? <laughs> oh, yes. Because yes. First Step was um, one of our participants in our happiness workshops. And, um, yeah. you know, we had a few technical issues with, uh, you know, software and microphones and things like that when it came to the interviews. But actually, as a process, it was just wonderful to be involved with such a, a great organisation 
who were trying to deliver all sorts of different activities and workshops online during lockdown one or whatever it is we're calling it um so they were one of our first groups that took part in our happiness workshops and what what started off as just a single workshop turned into sort of four three or four sessions i think it was you know we kept we kept meeting up over a course of a, a couple of months and just talking and just chatting and, and having that sort of social interaction with with each other and you could sort of see confidence levels growing amongst the group as well about talking publicly in a language which was not their first language um, English was their second maybe third language so I think they were all really cautious um, about speaking on a podcast and, and speaking talking publicly so it was great to not just get one voice but I think we had sort of six um, different recordings in Mm. the end and it was just great to hear all of these people from different parts of the world all come together into one episode and talk about what happiness means to them Um, so for me that was a real highlight of the project seeing you know the very beginning through to you know finished podcast I really enjoyed it and um yeah so volunteering is uh, as an open door for me to make others happy definitely so what sort of volunteering do you like to do i joined uh, a place for uh, refugees to uh, that uh, help them in different ways and um I am with the uh, first step, which is, uh, I think it's an organization or something like that, mm-hmm. that helps people to, um, to learn skills and talk English. And uh, so I assist the, um, the teacher uh, in um, helping uh, those students uh, um, to speak and some of them can't even write their own language. They can't read and write. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you see them after some time, you know, <laughs> they are able to, to, to do all of these things. And uh, that makes me really, really happy and proud. That, that sense of achievement. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. The last time we spoke, because the two of you are good friends, aren't, aren't you? Um, yeah. And Merva, you you sort of talked about um, happiness is also about having a good friend who stands by you. Um, yeah. And I think you were finding parts of um, the lockdown um, mm. difficult at times. And, and you were saying that a good friend gives you a different way of thinking about things and yeah. is, is a treasure. Is, is, is there anything else you can say about that? Because I thought that was a wonderful, yes. a wonderful way of explaining it. Yes, uh, yeah, you know, uh, one day uh, I feel bored, like I, I don't know what I will do uh, at that time. It's very hard time. And uh, I feel I, I want to talk with uh, my friend. And my friend is Hoda, <laughs> and she is a very uh, good lady and very good um, friend. So I talked to her. I uh, I talked to her about my word. I don't. I don't. How can I do at that time? She told me, "You can walk ar- even around your house. 
Uh, I told that at that time they tried, uh, they is, uh, the government is, and they, we can uh, use the, uh, the bus. So she told me, you can use the bus. I told her how I am very worried. I, how can I, I don't like, I feel I'm uncomfortable when I use the mask. She told me a good thing. She told me, you can think in a positive way. This mask can help you if you have a hay fever or any allergy and prevent you from any infection. So try to use it and uh, uh, try to enjoy your life. Don't mm. stay at home like that. So it, she gave me a positive way how to um, to think. It's, it's amazing. And always, now I always tell, uh, if you have a, a good friend, you have a treasure. If you have a good friend and give you a positive thinking, I will think positively, this is like a, a blessing. Mm. So I, uh, I'm very happy. I'm lucky to have Hoda in my life. Yes. <laughs> you know what I loved about that was the feeling of friendship in it. Lots of people have talked about friends and it's obviously, you know, a really core important part of our lives. But the fact that we had those conversations between between friends in that episode, which we haven't really done on the other ones, was yeah. made it really special. It's a difficult situation, but they've they wouldn't have been friends if events hadn't taken them in a particular direction. And yet what you could hear in their voices and the way they cared for each other. That was was extremely humbling, I thought. Yeah, inspirational. Really. Mm -hmm. I think you have you, you can't be happy all of the time, can you? Because then you no. don't notice it so much. Does that make sense? Well, it would be exhausting. Mm. You just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and a bit annoying for everybody around you as well. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> when when uh, people know that all of my family live abroad. They say, oh, would you not like to go to X, Y and Z and live over there? And I said, no, I've got the best of I've got the best of the world because I can go there and visit mm. and come back. And that, I think, is the contentment side of it. Mm. Yeah. You can choose to do it. Yeah. We've, we've had so much fun with this project so far and we want to say a really big thank you to all our interviewees and workshop participants. That's it from us for 2020. Um, our first episode of 2021 will be with Dan Jackson, who published a book last year called The Northumbrians, North East England and Its People. He also works for the NHS, so we had lots to talk about. So you'll hear me ask Dan questions like this. You might not be able to answer this question. This might be a tricky one, but what about happiness then? Has, did, did you come across any stories of, of, of happiness as part of your yeah. research for the, for the book? And hear him give answers like this. Well, actually, my, my grandparents are such a formative influence on my life. 
And my grandmother always had this saying when she talked about growing up in, she was born in uh, New Hartley in 1922. And uh, she's telling me stories too. Um, her dad was Irish, an Irish coal mine. A lot of Irish people came over to work in the Northeast in the pits and shipyards and so on. But she always used to say, and my granddad said it as well. I don't know who, who coined the phrase first, you know, but used to say, we had an out, but we were happy. Mm. Now, I don't know if that was strictly true or not. And maybe it was just people are susceptible to nostalgia, aren't they? Yeah. And, you know, growing up in the Depression in the, in the Northumberland coal field, my grandmother's sister died at 19 years old of diabetes. I mean, mm. can you imagine such a thing, dying of diabetes? Mm. So real tragedy, the danger of the, the work that everyone was engaged in. We used to hear stories about our neighbours who were turfed out of the terraced house because their father was killed in the pit. And pre-nationalised coal industries, the coal owners could be pretty cruel. And so I grew up with those stories. But then my grandmother... Um, would say we had now, but we were happy. And I think what she was driving at was the sociability thing. And I, I saw the kind of glowing embers, as I like to describe it as, the glowing embers of that pit village world growing up there in the 1980s, where there was people who were, you know, my grandparents' age or older, who'd grown up in that ludicrously tight-knit, claustrophobically tight-knit communities where gossip was a real currency and, you know, twitching neck curtains, remember that, and the competitive domesticity about who had the cleanest nets or the <laughs> shiniest front step and all that type of stuff. But it was a great place to grow up in, I must say. I had a blissfully happy childhood in that environment. And I think it's partly because these people were in it together and the, the, um, the mutuality and mutual support and shared experience and humour, mm-hmm. um, and black humour at times, yeah. Uh, in the face of hardship, all contributed to this uniquely sociable thing. And all the institutions that they that they were proud of, like the co-op or the workmen's club or the churches, you know, all that stuff contributed to this intensely sociable world. Mm. Um, no man was an island. So that's it. Take care. See you again in 2021 for another episode.